Corinthians chapter 13, and we want to read one verse this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we want to read verse 5. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, speaking of charity, the Apostle Paul says that, I'm going to insert the word charity here, or love, charity doth not behave itself unseemly. That we looked at last week. Charity does not behave itself in an unrighteous way. It does what is right. It seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. These four thoughts are bound up in verse 5, and this morning we are going to look at the phrase, charity seeketh not her own. Charity does not seek her own. Paul has been speaking in terms of Christian love, defining Christian character, that love is not passive but active, and that it is that we who are members of a church, this church here he's addressing, but it addresses us too, who are members of the church, need to learn and understand and to grasp and put into practice what it means to love God and to love our neighbor. When Paul says, love seeketh not her own, love seeketh not her own, what he is teaching is that love is not selfish. Now I'm going to make a distinction here between two words and in order to lay a foundation. Love is not selfish. But when he says that love is not selfish, he is not saying that love is completely selfless. Here are the two distinctions there. We, love does not lead us to be selfish, but we are not left selfless. What do you mean by that, Brother Pat? What does it mean that we are not to be selfless, but we... We are not to be that, but, and we are not to be selfish. Well, let me explain. Love requires that if we're going to love our neighbor, we have to love ourselves. Is that what the scripture teaches us? Go over to Romans chapter 13. That's exactly what the scriptures teaches us. We have to love ourselves. There has to be a measure of Love for ourselves. We are not selfless. We are people who love ourselves, but not in an inordinate or unbiblical way. Because without loving ourselves in a biblical way, we cannot love others. And I'll explain that to you in just a moment. In Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8, Paul says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. A lot of emphasis on this verse has been laid upon not being in debt, and that is certainly part of what it is teaching. But the emphasis is to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law of God. As I said to someone recently, if you have abrogated the law, then you have also abrogated love. Because love is the fulfilling of the law of God. And then Paul goes on to explain, this for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, 
And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So loving your neighbor as yourself is the way we comprehend or grasp an understanding of fulfilling the commandments of God. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. When Paul says love worketh no ill for his neighbor, he is referring back to what we looked at last week, and that is love uh, uh, does not behave itself in an unseemly way, in an unrighteous way. So, Christian love requires that I have a measure of love for myself. And if I love myself in a biblical way, I'm talking about, if I love myself in a biblical way, then that leads me to seek out for myself the best and happiest life I can find on this earth. And everyone in this room knows that that is going to be limited based because sin has entered into the world. But love for myself leads me to seek out the best and happiest life for myself, and the best and happiest life for myself is a life lived according to what God says in his word. What is the best and happiest life I can have on the face of this earth? God has told us what it is here. The world says the best and happiest life is this, that, or the other, and it talks about a thousand different things, and God has established what is best and what is happy here for us. And so, if I love myself, the first thing I'm going to do is seek out the best and happiest life according to what God says it is. Best and happiest life for myself. And, and in that, we have Jesus Christ as our example. And I have said and I have heard uh, people, Christians, professing Christians, saying Jesus Christ is my example. And I believe that with all of my heart. The problem is when you start applying that, people say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's a little bit extreme. That's just a little bit extreme, don't you think, Brother Pat? That kind of Christianity walk as Christ walked? Well, in this, that love seeketh not her own, we have Jesus Christ as our example in that. He did always the will of his Father which is in heaven. Isn't that true? Of course it is. John 8 and verse 29 says, He that sent me is with me. Jesus Christ is speaking, John 8, 29. The Father hath not left me alone for because I do always those things that please him. I seek to order my life, Jesus Christ is saying, so that I might please the Father and do the will of the Father which is in heaven. And by so doing, he lived, our Lord did, a perfectly happy and joyful life at all times. Joy in the midst of it, peace in the midst of his life. Even the men, in the middle of his enemies, even in the middle of all the conflicts that he had, even at Calvary, he was doing the will of God. 
His love for his God and for himself caused him to seek the best and happiest life that he could live. And that meant that he would live for the sake of God and God's glory on the earth. As he did so, he lived his life for others. Love seeketh not her own. He lived his life for others. His love caused him to seek out the will of God for his life. And that included being a servant to others. His love for us will do the same in us. If we have the love of God in our souls, if we have something of the love of Christ in ourselves, we will learn and continue to learn that love seeketh not her own. That love turns its eyes away from self to others. That we are to love others. As we love ourselves. our eyes are off of ourself and onto others. He becomes our example then of what it means to live for the sake of others. John chapter 13. And John chapter 13, the first verse of John chapter 13 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Now here's a statement concerning the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for those for whom he came. Now, as he begins to instruct his disciples on the basis of this opening statement here in chapter 13, we drop all the way down to verse 34. All the way down to verse 34, in chapter 13, verse 34. And Jesus Christ, speaking to his disciples, says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In the manner in which I have loved you. We have two standards then in the scriptures. The first is we're to love our neighbor as ourself. We seek out the best and happiest life that we can find in the scriptures and we want that for others. And we seek the, their good in light of what the scripture says. But the second standard for love is that we love people as Christ did. He becomes then our standard of not loving ourselves more than our neighbor, but loving our neighbor more than ourself. He becomes then the standard. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as, in the same manner as I have loved you. Now that deserves our study. Because how did Christ love you? Husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. How does that translate into day-by-day -day life? How does it translate into day-by-day -day life to love as Christ loved? That deserves a, a tremendous amount of study on our part. But one of the things it certainly means is that love seeketh not her own. Love is not focused on myself alone. In John chapter 15, our Lord said in verse 12 and 13, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
and then adds this phrase, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Now he's talking about the sacrificial death at Calvary, that he will lay down his life for those that he loves, and he will take their sin and give him, them his righteousness in exchange. So they might be just before God. That's what he's talking about here. But there is a principle drawn from this statement that shows up in the epistles where the Apostle Paul writes about those who love the brethren in such a way as they lay down their life for the brethren. And he's not talking about a sacrificial death, a mediatorial death where they pay for their sins of others. He's talking about a lifestyle that is given over to serving others. And he uses this as the foundation of it. In John chapter 15, or Romans chapter 15, if you want to go over there with me, we see this borne out here. Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong, and he's talking about those who are stronger, spiritually speaking. And those who are more mature, spiritually speaking. We then who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. He's not talking about those who are physically weak, but spiritually weak. Now there is a measure, there may be a measure of physical weakness or poverty or something in here. But he's talking about those who are spiritually strong bearing the infirmities of those who are spiritually weak. And not to please ourselves. One of the things that I have done in my whole ministry is that I have required those in leadership to rise up to a level where it fits this. If we're going to be leaders, if we're going to be strong, let us take the leadership, not pleasing ourselves, but serving others. Verse 2, let every one of us, now he moves away from those who are stronger and addressing the churches here in Rome says, every one of us, every member of the church, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. I've labored a lot on that word edification since coming here and being your pastor, that our responsibility of a local church is to build each other up, not tear each other down. And you use your words to build each other up or tear each other down. And Paul is saying every member of the church then is responsible for the edification. For, notice the next words in verse 3, for even Christ's priest pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So Paul uses the Lord Jesus Christ as an example of those, as an example for members of a church to not live their life pleasing themselves, but live their life serving others. Love seeketh not her own. That's all that Paul is saying here. All that he is saying is what has been said by our Lord Jesus Christ. Love is not focused on you. It's not focused on me. Love doesn't cause me to just focus on my life. There is a church that is more important than me. 
there is a ministry that is more important than me. And my wife and I are engaged in that truth. And since May of 1979, we've been engaged in that truth. There are some things more important than us. There are some things more important than our life. And it has to do with God. And it has to do with the kingdom of God. It has to do with the things of God. It has to do with the people of God. And the focus of our love needs to be off of ourself. So it is not selfish, but and on others, even as Christ has become our example. Not only has Christ our example, but the Apostle Paul is also our example. Go with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. Before he wrote 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, Love seeketh not her own, he has given this church some instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 24. I remember the first time someone came to me and asked me, Brother Pat, what is this saying? <laughs> Young Christian, let no man seek his own, but every man another man's wealth. You notice the word wealth is italicized, which means it was added to get a point across, but Without the context, you would say, Brother Pat, am I supposed to, I'm supposed to be looking at you, your money and, and see what I can do about getting it, seeking your wealth? You see how the, twist, the scripture can be twisted here? No, 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 it's not, it's not what it's saying. I said to this young man, and I was young in the ministry then, I said, I'm not quite sure what it means, but I'm going to find out. And I came back the next day and said, let me tell you what it means. Drop down a few more verses because the Apostle Paul explains himself in verse 31. And uh, you might wonder about how this is connected, but you'll see it in verse 33. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's a connection here up to verse 24. Let no man seek his own, but... It, Every man, another, uh, uh, every man, another's wealth or benefit. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Then whatever you do, you do to the glory of God. You seek to help others. Even as I, verse 32, give what, let's start out in verse 31 again. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever to do, you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense Offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Even as I, Paul using himself here as an example, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. See the word profit? Refers back up to verse 24 to another man's wealth, to another man's profit. Let no man seek his own profit, but every man another's profit or welfare. Let no man seek his own welfare, but let us seek instead the welfare of others. That's what Paul is teaching us here. Even, even he says, not seeking my own profit or my own welfare or my own benefit, but the profit or the welfare or the benefit of many that they may be saved. You see what is being taught here? That if we live our life for the glory of God, we're going to be seeking the benefit and the 
the, the profitability of others. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that using this book. Right here. Because the best and happiest life that you can live is found on the pages of Thus Saith the Lord. And you find something that you find is true and you live it out and you say, this is true. You take it to your brother and your sister said, look, this is true. This is what God says. This is how we're supposed to be living. You want to profit people the most. Use the word of God to profit them the most. Now, I know that every once in a while we need a hug, right? Okay, I've heard that. I've seen it on Facebook. It must be true. Okay. You want to profit somebody? Open up the word of God. Love them enough to open up the word of God and say, this is what God says. Let's go do it together. This is what I've been doing and I've found God to be true. You come along with me. Let's serve the Lord together. This is what God says. We use God's word to help others. To help others. Love does not seek its own. It is not focused on me. It is about other people. Timothy is also an example. Go over to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Book of Philippians, chapter 2. Paul is writing concerning young Timothy. We call him young Timothy because Paul the aged. Young Timothy is probably 40 years old. Paul the aged is in his, probably in his 60s. <laughs> Timothy is young at 40 years old. How many of you are 40? Okay, we've all passed that. <laughs> young Timothy is pastor, probably pastor uh, uh, in Ephesus. And uh, Paul is in prison. And he writes to the church at Philippi. And he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, <clears throat> Philippians 2 and verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, this is Timothy, to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Did you grasp that? He's sitting in prison, and he is concerned about the state of the church at Philippi. What does that tell you about the heart? Of this man. He's sitting in prison. Chained to. Was it 8 or 16 brother? Do you remember? Roman soldiers. They had a, well that was Peter. But chained and, and put in prison. And. Uh, I, yeah. 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 I wonder how that church is doing. In another text, he'll say, and above all these things, the care of the churches. You see, the man had something outside of himself that he was more concerned about. So, because he's concerned about the state of the church at Philippi, he goes on to say that he's going to send Timotheus. And the reason for that is found in verse 20. Why are you sending Timothy? For I have no man like-minded. Now, he's not talking about theologically here. He's not dealing with doctrine here. Though there's probably a good agreement between Paul and Timothy, okay? 
But, but he's not talking about that. Now, I've heard this verse preached in ordination services about, you know, how this man agrees with us theologically. But that's not what this verse is talking about. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. My mind is to care for you. And Timothy's mind, Timothy's mind is to care for you too. So I'm, that's why I'm sending him. I'm sending him because he's not selfish, but he's selfless. I'm sending him because he knows something about charity. It's not focused on who I am. Charity is not about me. It's about others. Charity seeketh not her own. So Timothy becomes then an example of someone who's patterned his life after the Apostle Paul, who patterned his life after the Lord Jesus Christ. And nowhere will this type of lifestyle be more self-evident than as it shows up in a life spent seeing that the gospel is spread and that the gospel is spread and supported. Go with me over to 1 Corinthians 9, and we're running out of time, so let me wrap up with this, and we'll come back to this next Lord's Day. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Love seeketh not her own, but the good of others. And one of the most important thing with regard to the good of others is that those that are lost hear the gospel. That a church be involved in that. Is a good work. In Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes to this church, exhorting them. He says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation or a responsibility of the gospel is committed unto me. The question is, has God committed the gospel to this church? He had committed it to the Apostle Paul, and I believe that he has committed it to me, and I also believe he has committed it to this church. So a dispensation or a responsibility of the gospel is committed unto me, he says, what is my reward then, verily, that, I, that when I preach the gospel, I make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel? Verse 19, for though I be free from all men, Paul understands Christian liberty. I am free. I can live my life. I am free. And then he says, though I be free from all men yet, what? Have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more? Love is not focused on me. Christian freedom is not about me. Though I be free, I have made myself a servant. 
And on to the Jews. What did I do, Paul said? Well, I became as a Jew. Why? That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law. Oh, brother, don't you know we're free? What happened? To them that are under the law. What did I do, Paul says? Well, I, I put myself under the law. Why did you do that? To gain them that are under the law. That's Christian freedom. That's liberty. I can put myself there in order to gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ. Why? That I may gain them that are without law. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles here. To the weak, what did I do? Well, I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Brother Pack, don't you believe that God is the one that has to do the saving? <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, what is Paul talking about here that he's going to save some? Well, his life's going to make a difference in the salvation of sinners. And if you don't believe that, you've missed a portion of the Scriptures. If you don't believe that a church's life can make a difference in the salvation of sinners, you've missed a portion of the Scriptures. You've not understood how God can use a church in a community, in the salvation of sinners. But it has to be a church that understands that love's not about me. It's about others. It's not about me. It's not about you, brother. It's about others. It's me putting myself out there for the sake of others so that they could be saved. And this I do, verse 23. Why? For the gospel's sake. That I might be partaker thereof with you. Love seeketh not her own. A love for sinners does not seek its own. Missionaries tell stories about mission field and, and Christian people say, oh, and all and all that. And there's something... Good about a testimony that helps people to understand, and I and I know that, and I've shared some things with you, but it's not just the mission field, brother. It's right here at home. It's what are we doing right here at home to reach the lost? Get caught up in a thousand different things, and we get focused on ourselves more than upon others. God's word is bringing us back to where we're supposed to be as a church. Where are we supposed to be? Well, love seeketh not our own. Love involves himself in the lives of others, especially the lost. It involves itself in weak Christians too. It involves itself in those who say they're Christians and whose testimony is not reflective of Christianity. It involves, it involves a lot of different people. But in order to do that, we're going to have to get out of ourselves, away from ourselves, and into the lives of others. Well, let's pray together. May God take His Word and help us this morning. Father, bless Your Word and strengthen us in it and encourage us with it and challenge us with it and teach us.